0: You're listening to the Market Lane Coffee Podcast. This episode is part of a mini-series where we talk about how to open a coffee shop. My name is Einar and I'm here with Jason. Hello Jason, thank you for your time. You are busier than usual because of uh, a new coffee shop opening up. It's on Queen Street by Queen Victoria Market. I was hoping we could talk a little bit about what to keep in mind when opening up a coffee shop and using the new Queen Street shop as an example.
1: Hi, Ina. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, Yeah, we're opening our Queen Street cafe very soon. Um, So we're hoping to be open in the next few weeks and with fit up period almost completed. And yeah, I thought it was a good time to sort of go over some of the hurdles and unforeseen circumstances that have arisen through the fit up period. And I'm always reminded, you know, when I sit down and watch a bit of Grand Designs in front of the telly that, you know, things can go wrong and do go wrong. Thankfully, we're sort of at the uh, the post-Grand design sort of end of fitting out a cafe where we use a builder and an architect. We're not trying to do everything ourselves anymore. So I have learned some things on the way. I don't have all the answers. And of course, it's going to be different for everyone. But yeah, I thought we could go over some of the pitfalls and some things that you consider when uh, planning for your own cafe.
0: This is the third shop, that, or actually the fourth shop you're opening up at uh, Queen Victoria Market.
1: That's right. But not to confuse anyone, we'll, we <laughs> we'll only have three shops at Queen Victoria Market when this is completed. But yeah, our first shop at Queen Victoria Market was on Therry Street um, in the old uh, Munro building. And uh, we opened that in 2011, um, a beautiful little shop and a, a favorite among staff and customers as well. Our second shop at Queen Vic Market was inside the Dairy Hall. And that was on a really secure lease. You know, it's a very tightly controlled part of the market where only very few traders can actually even get into. Um, There's very high foot traffic. So we, we really saw it as a very safe and sort of natural progression up from Therry Street. And then unfortunately, we lost our little Therry Street shop. So, City of Melbourne managed to purchase the block of land, a Munro development on Therry Street, and they knocked it down to build some towers and to basically secure. Um, that section of real estate from developers to protect it, to add to the market precinct and to make it sort of future-proof for the market so they can control who who goes in there, what sort of activities happen there. But in the process, we got we got booted out. So part of the deal was that we would get moved from our 30th Street location to another part of the market, and that was Victoria Street. Uh, so we opened Victoria Street in 2018 and uh, after after you know quite a short fit-out period and uh yeah we've had a lovely little shop on that side of the market for a long time one of the conditions of booting us out as well was that they, the market would give us a look in to see if we would want a a shop in the new development so that time came around um about a year ago um and we saw the possible locations in the new development and one really caught our fancy and we love this one on queen street it's Part of the original brick uh, corner building on uh, Monroe's Corner. And uh, yeah, so we decided to take that as well. It does seem strange to have three locations around Vic Market, but it is a very big market. And there really does service different, different customers in different frames of mind, doing different things. You know, everyone has their own sort of pathway and route through the market. And I think we'll see different customers. So Victoria Street, for example, we see a lot of customers coming in from North Melbourne who work in North Melbourne. And on Queen Street, I think we'll, we'll catch a lot of people who uh, work in the city, who come up to the market for lunchtime or come up to the market to do their shopping in the afternoon.
0: And we're looking at some pictures from the new shop. Could you tell us a little bit about the size and the layout and the flow of the space?
1: The shell itself is actually quite small. Um, It's only about eight meters from the back all the way to the front and then only about uh, just over four meters across. So it's quite narrow. It's, you know, reasonably deep, but um, the proportions actually work really well for for a coffee shop, in our opinion. Um, There's an entrance at the front, main entrance for customers, and then a small uh, door at the back that goes through to services and to the bin room and things like that. And yeah, the the renders show a, a very small coffee shop with um, retail on the right hand side as you walk in. Um, a lot of nice steel shelves, room for lots of coffee. Um, and then on the left hand side is the coffee making uh, main service bench with an espresso machine, point of sale. And then behind that is a, a sort of a small back bar where we'll be brewing filter coffee and um, have our retail grinder. And then at the back of the space is a very nice rendered sort of textured wall with a sliding door. So it's sort of hiding a back of house area where we've got, you know, a double wall sink, our fridge, um, dishwasher, things like that. The overall concept of the store is to be really very simple and just to highlight, basically highlighting the bags of coffee themselves. So we really want people to see see the bags of coffee, the first thing is they walk in um, to make it really inviting and to make it feel like there's a lot of coffee available and it's really easy to pick up and easy to buy, that, you know, the person working behind the counter is sort of easy to see and easy to interact with, easy to ask questions of. And of course, that it's easy to to buy the coffee itself. You know, there's not like a, a difficult path to find the till or it's not hidden away or obscured anywhere. It's, you know, very easy to see and easy to find. It all sounds really simple, but all those things are you know, reasonably difficult to do to keep the design and the um, aesthetic of the space very simple, but being very functional as well.
0: And what about seating?
1: There's very little seating. So inside there's um, none. We may have a couple of stools in the future, but at the moment there's, there's no seating inside. Um, there's only about one and a half meters wide of customer space on the customer side that goes back about six meters. So it's not a huge amount of customer area. Um, outside we've got a seating permit for four tables and eight chairs but we'll probably just start with two tables and four chairs and then see how it goes
0: so size-wise this shop is quite similar to faraday street maybe a little bit bigger
1: yeah it's hard to describe it it's probably um, it's a little bit wider than faraday street and it's quite a bit deeper than faraday street so the the main coffee making area essentially has the same sort of layout as theory street you know the workflow is from Uh, From the barista side, it's the left-hand side to the right-hand side, Um, but everything's a little bit bigger. So there's a full meter behind the bar here. I think at Faraday Street, there's only 700 millimeters, so it's quite tight at Faraday. Um, Faraday also, you know, you have to walk out down the hallway to get milk. Um, Here, it's a bit closer. It'll just be behind the door. And here as well, we really want people to come in the space to order. So we will change the window over in the front of the space to make it operable. So we'll be able to hand coffees out to people after they've ordered. But we really want people to come in first to order, um, have a look around, say hello, and then they can wait outside for their coffee.
0: I know a lot of our staffs are interested in or maybe dreaming about opening up their own coffee shop one day and a lot of former staff have gone ahead and and done it really well. I was hoping we could pretend that we are opening up a coffee shop and use your expertise and talk about what to look out for and what to invest in. So the first is the purpose of the shop. We kind of need um, need a reason for being.
1: I mean, that's a great point because a lot of people start out opening a coffee shop because they've worked in coffee shops or because they know how to do it. Even for myself, the reason that I wanted to start a business was not because people in South Yara needed another cafe. Like I did not think of that, really. You know, I did I did think that I, I had, you know, Fleur and I, that we had, a unique approach to retailing coffee and a unique approach to presenting coffee that wasn't in the market at the time. So in that sense, there was a purpose behind it or a reason for doing it. And I think it gives you more motivation to, to keep doing what you're doing, knowing there's a, a good reason for doing it. So if you can, before you start, think about a good reason for why you're doing it. It, it can be that um, you have a unique idea of how you think coffee should be made. And you want to give it a go and show people that it's possible. It could be that you know you're very familiar with a specific neighborhood or a specific market that isn't serviced by a coffee shop or a restaurant or whatever it is that you're passionate about. And your new location could fill that need. Or it could just be as simple as, you know, making more money. So you're working as a barista and you um, see owning your own cafe as a way to make more money than you would just being a barista. You know, everyone will have their own reason for doing it, but I think knowing what yours is and being really clear about it and honest with yourself about it will make it easier and keep you motivated.
0: So we decided we want to open up a coffee shop for whatever reason. The next thing would be the location. The shop has to exist somewhere. What are the things that you would look for when choosing where to start up your shop?
1: Right. Well, the location could be tied into the purpose as well. So it may be that you're not flexible with the location and you you really are tied to one area. And in that case, it it makes it difficult to sort of branch out. But things that I would consider for a location is, is it going to be a destination spot? You know, are you looking at opening a place where people will go to specifically, will go out of their way to go to, um, rather than to go past or to drop by where they're going to another place. For example, if you think about Attica and Riponlea now, when a lot of people hear Riponlea, they think of Attica, not the other way around. Attica there has really established the area to a lot of people or, you know, highlighted that area. Another example would be Loon in Elwood. It was down a pretty quiet street when it first opened there in 2014-ish. And again, it was a place where people would head out to, specifically to go to Loon. Um, I think wildlife in Brunswick East is... Um, sort of a destination like it's probably half half i think they get a lot of people who head specifically there because they're the only bakery sort of north of the city that's uh, worth traveling to Um, but there are also a number of people who work in the area residents people who like to go to the park and things like that too so they're probably a combination And then there's other locations that are just busy thoroughfares. And I think these are the ones that can be a little bit tricky or these are the ones that can be a little bit misleading. And real estate agents love touting how much foot traffic there is going past a place. But I think it can be, yeah, a little bit misleading if you see hundreds and hundreds of people walking past your business that might not necessarily want to go in. Um, I think Collins Street, our shop at the top of Collins, is a good example of this. We're perfectly busy there, but when we first looked at it and looked at the foot traffic counters, there's an astounding number of people walking past every hour. I think we were wrong to look at that and to interpret that as, you know, a reinforcing idea of why we were needed in that location. The other thing I would look at is um, competition, and again, it's it's not always something that, will make or break a location. It depends on what you're offering. But uh, but yeah, I think it's important to understand the type of competition you have in the area and the caliber of it. And especially with coffee in Melbourne now, we really are in a saturated market. And if you're putting a coffee shop close to a, another coffee shop, you're going to either make their life very difficult or your life is going to be difficult as well. So have, have a really good think about the proximity of any competition in your area and what that's gonna do to their business and potentially yours. Another nice way to think about competition is to think about it more like a symbiosis or like two businesses that can work together. And using one of our shops as an example, I think Faraday Street's a great example of this with Baker D. Um, a lot of people will go to Baker D to pick up bread and they'll get a coffee on the way. But equally, we'll have a lot of people coming to Market Lane and who will pop into Baker D to get a you know a little bomboloni or something to complement their coffee. So the two, the two businesses there work really well together. And the other thing about the location of a spot is to have a think about the local community. And and for Fleur and myself, we've only ever opened cafes in communities or neighborhoods that we're really familiar with and that we have sort of, I guess, an established relationship with. So Carlton, for example, I used to spend a lot of time in Carlton when I went to university. I'm really familiar with a lot of the cafes and a lot of the food places in the area, the um, some of the clothing stores, some of the delis. So we're really, really closely familiar with carlton in that neighborhood when the spot came up we, we knew that that exact spot on faraday street was a great spot to be in a different part of faraday street you know closer to the university which might be a bit more difficult or you know even further down towards uh, rathdown street which again could be a bit more difficult but just enough distance off ligon street where we are close but we're not too close um, that sort of familiarity with that neighborhood allowed us to make a really good choice in the specific location and if we were trying to pick a spot in Sydney, for example, we just wouldn't have the same acuteness or the same result, I think. That goes back to the location. Um, but I think the community aspect as well plays a really big part in the success of a, of a business. Knowing the local community, knowing a few people who work and live in the area and being, you know, having supported them in the past and, you know, makes it much more likely that they will support you um, in the
0: future as well. So, we found a location for the shop. And the next is um, we need a name. What would you think about when you decide to find a name for your shop?
1: Well, unfortunately, we weren't all that original with Market Lane. So, we, we decided to name it after the laneway next door to Pran Market, which happened to be called Market Lane. So, it's not very original, unfortunately. But I think it does show that you can choose something that's reasonably generic and still get away with it if it's relevant calling the business after the place where it is that said it does have its pitfalls because market is a very generic word and lane's obviously not unique either um so it it has been difficult with things like trademarks and other bits and bobs like trademarking market lane coffee itself was relatively straightforward but it's difficult to trademark market lane or other aspects of that so when choosing a name i would try and keep it really simple. Um, Something that's easy for people to say, um, that makes it easy for people to remember. I would try and avoid puns unless they're very, very good puns. And also having a name that explains what you do is very, very useful. So shortstop coffee and donuts, for example, is so clear and so obvious as to what you're going to get. It's a, a really great name. It's a quick stop for coffee and donuts. And that's exactly what Anthony intended. So it's a good name.
0: Our shop has a location. It has a, a name. Uh, we have to start building the shop. So I was wondering if you could talk about the budget and what to keep in mind when figuring out the costs.
1: Yeah, the budget is very hard. So you, you probably also want to establish whether you have enough of a budget to go down the steps of opening a cafe initially. Um, but once you've decided you do have enough money, then taking the other steps and, and looking at exactly what you want to spend um, is probably the, the next natural progression. Um, for the budget, I would include um, things like the total fit out cost, expenses for purchasing any upfront goods that you want to sell. And then I would include some operating capital. So you know, presumably there will be a number of months and in some cases a year or more where you're not making any money or you're bringing money in, but you're also spending all the money that's coming in on, on more stock or wages or whatever it is. So there's going to have to be some money put aside to pay yourself. And to to live off while the business is not making any money. The biggest, one of the very big costs is the fit out expense, all the equipment of the cafe or the restaurant that you're building, and it can really range uh, depending on how you do it. So, for example, with our um, Faraday Street store, we did quite a bit of the work ourselves, and we. Just chose some really sort of key bits of furniture or cabinetry to put in there, and focused our money and time and effort on that. So I think for Faraday Street, quite quite a number of years ago, of course, um, we spent around fifty thousand dollars on the fit out. Nowadays, you know, for another small space that's fit out really well, it would cost more like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So quite quite a bit more because all, all the costs associated with building have have gone up. You know, whatever amount of money that you have to spend on the fit out, I would always be careful not to spend too much because any money that you spend now is money that you're going to have to make back a few times over to get the profit. Um, basically, to pay back any any loans that you have or any any debt that you
0: have. Where are the places where you would uh, save money, and what's worth investing in? So obviously, we would need some uh, coffee making equipment in our in our shop, mm-hmm. the grinders, espresso machine.
1: Well, I think you can save money on places that have already been fit out as something similar in the past so for example choosing a a shell that has a nice finished floor and walls that you can work with or just paint so you don't have to redo the floor and the ceiling and the walls um, and then fit it out for your own purposes so trying to find something that you can work with um, that's there already um, can save a lot of money doing things yourself will also save a lot of money. Uh, of, of course, not, you know, not everyone can build. JP from Altius is um, a great example of, you know, taking taking things on himself and he's actually gone on and done a, um, he's doing a building course at the moment. And uh, he, he did a lot of the fit out of um, Altius number one and also Altius out in Bendigo um, really taking it on just to cut down on the the cost of you know basically paying another trade to do it. And then there are areas where you just cannot avoid spending money. You have to get an electrician to do your wiring. You have to get a plumber to do the plumbing. Um, but maybe you have a friend or someone you, know, you grew up with who is now a plumber or an electrician or a builder who can help out. I think asking friends and asking family for contacts and, and help is a great way to start. If it's your first location as well, I would consider whether you really need the the newest model of espresso machine or whether you really need you know, a juggler milk dispenser or whether you really need to have three grinders instead of just one or two. I think it can be easy for us to obsess over that stuff and, and think about really needing the latest and, and newest equipment when, I mean, actually a lot of equipment will make coffee just fine um, for customers and, and a really a much bigger part of the, the service and a bigger part of the reason that people will come to you is for the customer service, you know, whether you're interested in people, remember their names, you make a really nice environment for them to come in and if you make a good coffee.
0: All right, that sounds good. So we got the purpose for our new shop. We found the location We came up with a catchy, easy to remember name that explains what we do. And we also found uh, a good budget. In part two, we will talk about how to negotiate a lease. We'll talk about council regulations and uh, a timeline for opening up the shop. And in part three, we'll talk about the menu, the pricing, retail and merchandise. If we're gonna have any food in our shops, marketing and social media, and how to deal with Google reviews.
1: Thanks everyone for listening.
0: If you have any questions about coffee shops in general for jason please get in touch at training at marketlane.com.au thank you very much and see you soon